0: Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber, AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevon! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin, sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so
1: very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringers NBA Draft Show. We're gonna have you covered
0: every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Winbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, Or stars from overtime elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds, or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months
1: to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show.
0: And hit us with those five-star ratings.
2: It's the Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved quick Bets And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Weekends. I'm your host, Big Waz, and I'm joined, man, very, very dope guest today, man. This is exciting because... I've been knowing this brother on the internet for, shoot, man, I want to say like (laughs) seven years now or something like that. Always had great correspondence with him, been a big fan of his work from Vice to Sports Illustrated to all over the place, man. I've been tracking this dude's career, so it's dope that he's now a part of the Ringer team. Michael the Pod Pena was popping, man.
3: What an intro, big was. It's been it's been at least seven years, I would say. Yeah, Maybe more.
1: Man. Maybe even more than that, for sure. Obviously, super excited that you're now part of the now I it's we can call it an extended ringer family. It's a lot of us <laughs> on the ship, man, especially on the NBA side. So really excited to talk to you today, bro.
3: Absolutely. I can't wait to get into whatever it is we're gonna talk about was. So
1: Listen, man, I think transparency and candor is a theme of this show, or at least I like to tell myself that it is. I talked so much shit to our colleague, Justin Verrier, for suggesting that we have an MVP discussion on group chat this week. I was (laughs) like, bro, like, there's a new rule. No MVP discussion until we've had snow in our first NFL game. (laughs) Like, seriously, it's still summertime in the NFL. However... I'm like, man, what do we want to talk about on the pod today? Like, we've talked about all the exciting teams, you know, the surprising teams on group chat and everybody's on that. Obviously, there's the... Myriad of controversies that I think we've covered pretty well on group chat and the cross ringer NBA just generally. So I was like, man, I guess I do got to talk about some of these dominant early season performances, man. And, you know, I'd like to open the floor to you to somebody you wanted to start the show with as far as MVPs campaigns are concerned. Okay,
3: so I, I put together a little bit of a list here because I was okay. fibbing earlier. I know that you, you told me what we were going to be discussing today. So I did my, my homework, my preparation. Do you want me to just jump off the top with who I think is the MVP right now? Yes, I, I want to hear who you think it is. I think it's Luca, Like, mm. easily. Mm. Easily. And Mm. we're recording this a day after he had his worst game of the season against the Orlando Magic, which Uh isn't great timing. (laughs) Sure. But his numbers will melt your face off. It's like 34 points, 8 boards, 8 assists, plus 60% true shooting. His post-up game, he's probably the best post-up player in basketball yeah, right now. Right
1: now. Yeah. I mean, I would say Jokic still, but go ahead. Sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'll,
3: I'll allow that. The way Luca posts up, though, is so just like... He posts imascul- people up
1: starting at the three-point line. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
3: <laughs> yeah, so much of their offense is him just picking who he wants to post up against and then obliterating them. Yeah. So, yeah, he's incredible there, very efficient. And then the pick-and-roll playmaking is just... It's breathtaking. It's genius. Genius. I mean, you surround him with, he doesn't even need, he needs three shooters and a roll man and he's just, he'll dice you up. It doesn't even matter who else is on the floor. So I think he's clearly the MVP so far, even though Dallas is not as good as some of the other teams with respective candidates on them that we'll eventually discuss. But like Luca's start is just statistically so historically great that I feel like he's in his own category right now.
1: Yeah, I think he's got almost a 35 PER, which even if you don't like PER, you understand that in order to amass a 35 PER, you have to be (laughs) Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, (laughs) LeBron James in his prime. Like we're talking about the five, three, four, five best players we've ever seen putting up stuff, even approaching that. So there's that. Of course, Dallas, you know, they lose their second best player in Jalen Brunson and they've, you know, they've gotten off to a pretty decent start. However, because I knew you were going to do this, I wanted to come with a little bit of concern trolley information just just to spice things up a little bit, Mike. Because I think the argument for Luca's MVP candidate is rock solid, right? This campaign right now, this is like... Going out and winning the New Hampshire primary or something, right? <laughs> like he's, he's essentially done that already. However, and shouts to my man, Seth Park now at the athletic. I just read his, you know, his little analytics roundup that he recently did. And it said in there, I thought something interesting. The Mavs are second in efficiency in the NBA. They have the second best offense in the NBA. That figure jumped to 11th. When you account for the second half, which means what Luca is spamming himself right now, right? (laughs) Like the rate that this guy is using possessions is so ridiculous and it's working. It's early in the season. But for one, a guy who we know conditioning has been an issue in the past and just. The overall saliency of spamming this kind of offense, I don't know how you maintain this kind of thing. And I don't know how I should be looking at it MVP-wise when I want to, you know, I want to get... I'm somebody that wants to get better with time. I was that person that was like, yo, Westbrook deserves the MVP. Luca's case is better than that of Westbrook in 2017. But what I'm saying is that my thing was like, look... You can say whatever you want about the numbers and the stats, but, like, he went out and did it, right? Like, you can do all of your context and all of that shit, but, like, he went out and did it. I feel like there's a little bit of that to what's happening with Luca. I'll give you another stat that I'm cribbing from Seth's article. Luca, that 60 true shooting that you mentioned, that incredible efficiency that you mentioned in the first three quarters, yes, that's true in the fourth, dips down to 50, now, why is that? Because he's doing something that feels unnatural to me. It's like you shouldn't be this integral to every single possession of your team. It doesn't feel sustainable. And I don't want to call it gimmicky, but I just don't think it's good offense. Not that he's, he's doing the—he's putting the stats up. I just think holistically, is this the right thing to be doing?
3: So you have more of an aesthetic issue with his— No,
1: I, I, I think, one, it doesn't work in the playoffs. I think that's, a, that's proven. Like, the, you can't do this sustainably against the best defenses who are planning for you and against you with the best, you know, personnel in the world. Like, you can't do this offense and win. That's a one. And two, I just—I really do wonder how sustainable it is over the course of a season.
3: So I think that's a good point, and that is why he's my MVP for the first month of the season <laughs> and not who I'm predicting to win MVP this year. No, that's that's uh, all great arguments that you, you pose. Losing Brunson, I think that's really going to hurt Change, them as the season yeah. goes on. Spencer Dinwiddie's played pretty well, but... I am a little bit of a Spencer skeptic, particularly outside shot, the pull-up threes. Don't know if that's sustainable for him. Like in terms of upside, I actually like Christian Wood has gotten off to a somewhat slow start, even though he's got some efficient Mm -hmm. offensive numbers. He can't play like Jason Kidd has no trust in him on the defensive end. So he's just like not closing games. He's averaging like 20 in the low 20s. In minutes, which is definitely an issue. So I feel like if Christian Wood can kind of earn the trust of the coaching staff, play a little bit better defense, that's just such a weapon. Yeah, Luca. when you watch when they run pick and roll, they
1: look incredible together. Chemistry. They look wise. incredible.
3: They just—you uh, have no option but to switch. And if you switch, yeah. Luca's on a he's big, which is death, and Christian yeah. Wood is on a wing, and that's also death. So I really like that for them going forward. But yeah, you make a, a great point about Luca's conditioning. Although I do think he looks—he looks, he looks he way looks, better
1: than he has in the past. There's no doubt looks, about re, that. He's
3: trying on defense. He's averaging two steals a game. Yeah. The effort is there,
1: bro. Devin Booker and Chris Paul laughing at him in that press conference in the playoffs after he got embarrassed and pants in the fourth, I do really think was a turning point because Absolutely. he started taking pride in his defense the rest of that series.
3: I 100% agree with you. So I, you know, is he wearing down already late in games? I don't know. I feel like the... The heliocentric offense, where it's just a one-man show. I, I'm a little more bullish on that, I think, than you, mm. especially in the postseason. I mean, you need your teammates to do things, especially when you're resting. That's that's absolutely key. And I think that when he comes off the floor in the postseason and nobody kind of knows what to do, that's when things mm. really can go off the rails for Dallas. But there's just no option, like no defensive game plan to stop this guy. I don't care yeah. if it's game seven of the finals. I don't care who they're going up against. Nobody can guard him. You know, it was really telling in the game against Brooklyn or this year. I know Ben Simmons doesn't look like Ben Simmons, but the Ben Simmons, who was the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year, guarded Luka better than any player has in Luka's career.
1: That version of Ben Simmons, yeah.
3: Yeah, but the way Luka was just like, I want to go at Ben Simmons. Yeah. Come come here, whoever. Like, and it's just like, 38% of his shots are at the rim now. He doesn't even he's not settling for the floaters, those little push yeah. shots. He's just getting to the basket. So this is a different Luka in my opinion and the pull-up three is he leads the league in pull-up three point attempts per game. He's only making 28.6% of them. If that number goes up, I don't even know what we're doing here. Yeah, I don't even he hits know. If that like,
1: to 33, 34 somehow, then this is, you know, a this wrap. becomes a tough a tough argument or even discussion to even entertain at that point. But we're not there. And so I wanted to get to the person who's my MVP so far this season. And he's who I picked, to to be frank, who I picked before the season and who I'm probably going to end up picking when this season is done. And that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. To me, I'm at the LeBron stage with this guy. Peak LeBron, not, you know, year 18 washed king LeBron. The guy is... The best player in the NBA. He's inevitable. The motor is ridiculous. And we talked about Luka, like, being respectable on defense. Now, no, Giannis is defensive player of the year level (laughs) on defense, okay? And to be honest, his raw numbers— they're not quite as gaudy as Lucas, but they're not far off as far as offensive production is concerned. He's scoring efficiently. 30-12-5. Oh, it's 30,
3: 12 and five. it's like, ridiculous. He's
1: getting to the line at a career high, 12.33 free throws a game. Like, this guy is just—he's incredible. No Middleton. They ran out the gates. I just think Giannis, man, what he does on both ends of the floor, not just— Oh, he's a great defender. He's scheme versatile. You want to put me at center? Yeah, I could do that. You want to put me next to Brook? Yeah, I could do that. You want to switch me out onto wings? Yeah, I could do that. You want to switch me out on the point guards? Yeah, I could do that. Help defense. What like what? What do you want from me? Rim protection? Like I can do everything that you want on the defensive end, and he's just freaking dominant on offense. Again, like it doesn't look as cute as Luca. I know, I get it. The step backs, (laughs) the fancy passing, which by the way, Giannis has gotten way better at. Mm -hmm. His playmaking is incredible. Up to 5.3 assists a game, you know? And again, that's without the second best player on the team, right? I'm just blown away by this guy. Not just his his greatness, but it's his want to, It's his relentlessness, his energy, his leadership. I'm just, bruh, this is my MVP. You know, (laughs) like he's my MVP. (laughs) So
3: the one thing about Giannis right now that I want to, first of all, I had him second on my list here. So I'm not, I agree with everything you're saying. He's amazing. He's the best two-way player in the league. Not even close. Defensive player of the year candidate. Milwaukee's defense, good luck scoring on them. It's a joke. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) The one thing I'll say is, so far this season, it's very early. And, you know, on-off numbers are wonky. But Milwaukee's offense with Giannis on the floor, and I know Middleton hasn't been there, it's not great. Not Mm -hmm. a great offense. And it's better when he's off the floor. I don't think that he's a deterrent to their success. I'm not saying that at all. But what's more concerning to me is that they're 17th in offensive rating. And I just... I don't even know how to, like, articulate this about Giannis without it sounding like I'm a hater. But, like, (laughs) I just don't think he's... He's improved definitely different aspects of his game. Finishing around the basket, the passing, the vision, all that stuff. He's become a screener where just a devastating effect. And that's just helped unlock so many things for Milwaukee as a team. But I'm just like, why is the free throw shooting still 65%? Mm. Why hasn't, you know, there was a lot of talk last year about, oh, he's got the, the mid-range game now. He's got the, no, he's got a little a bit of a, the baseline turnaround. Like, no, and he just, he doesn't, he does not have those in the bag. And I think that I'm not blaming him at all for Milwaukee losing in the playoffs last year. They did not have Chris Middleton, who would have been huge in that series against Boston. But the one thing is like, Giannis had, was able to do a little bit more and had more options in offensive versatility in his game where he could pull up from the elbow reliably instead of barrel into Grant Williams and Al Horford. And sometimes it wouldn't go in and then the Celtics would just run the other way and get a good look. I think they might win that series. And so I know that this is like a harsh criticism because he's amazing and I want him to, he's like 99% and I want him to be 100%. But I'm just throwing that out there right now. And that's the the one reason why... I'm putting Luca ahead of Giannis, as amazing as Giannis has been.
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm enjoying this because you know my my cold water was unnecessary on Luca, and 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 I feel the same way about this cold water on Giannis. And and you know, honestly, I think big picture, I think that's why Middleton is such an important Batman because he's the person that can score in those quadrants. When the defense is loading up on Giannis, right? Like, he's the person that can get to a mid-range shot and hit it efficiently. And, you know, Giannis's gravity can create the space necessary, mm-hmm. even when Middleton isn't necessarily doing it on his own. So, I hear all of that. It's just for me, man, you know, I, 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 I watch enough of this damn league, And superstars and some of the best players. It's just I'm rarely seeing people put it together on a night-to-night basis on the just straight-up effort side of the ledger that Giannis is. And what that has to mean for the people around him, where it's like, no, every game is serious. (laughs) Every single game has meaning and we're going to treat it as such, like as a fan of somebody who's just sitting on my couch and thumbing through league pass. And it's just like I can reliably know that this guy is going to even when he's not at his most excellence, he's given a damn and he is transferring that give a damnness to the people around him. I just love that about the guy, you know, I get, I know that's intangible and you can't put that on a spreadsheet, but I, 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 it's just a feeling that I get when I'm watching this guy play that, you know, just means a lot to me anyway, as a, as a fan of the game, you know, to get all corny and, 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 and No, esoteric. I mean,
3: you said game to game, game to game. It's play to play. It's yeah. minute to minute. Like Facts. coach Bud is like, I have to take you out of the basketball game like, because you're, you're going to pass out.
1: You're doing too much. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) all right so let me have your number three i don't know if this is
3: a surprise maybe it is it's steph curry not surprised
1: because he's on mine too
3: okay steph curry i don't like here's where the word value comes in
1: he's insane
3: here's where the word value comes in right like the golden state warriors are four and seven and anyone who watches them (laughs) knows why they're four and seven the the, the bench
1: is, is horrific
3: it's the young guys who, you know, yeah. uh, I'm, I can't even blame Kaminga because he's not really in the rotation. Wiseman has been just he's been a, terrible. A, he's been a total disaster. <laughs> Jordan Poole has been disappointing. It's okay to say that, even though he's played in some of those lineups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, Steve Kerr is coming out and saying, like, you know, Ty Jerome played four years in college, and that's why he's in our rotation. That's just, like, uh, kind of (laughs) a— That's crazy.
1: That is such a shot at your young, one-and-done talent of just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need adults in the room. Sorry, kids.
3: So— If you look at the numbers with Steph, who, by the way, is just having an absolutely monstrous season shooting the basketball, like, he's on pace to be 50-something, 40-something, 90-something, like, 30-plus points, just—he's the averaging, what is he taking, like, 13 threes a game? Yeah,
1: some, like, 13 threes at a 43 efficiency.
3: And at this point, it's like— the defense is just the number one thing is don't let Steph Curry shoot threes. And yet he still pulls up and makes like puts these numbers forth. So I think there's, there's that, but for me, it's like when he's off the floor, the net point differential on off is 28.6 points per 100 possessions. And it's like, that is value right there. I don't know if anyone is even coming close to that right now. And so this is, Almost as much of an indictment of the roster around him as it is his greatness. And Clay Thompson also hasn't really shot the ball great. That's another reason that and he's not defending on ball as well as I think the Warriors hoped or expected he would at this point in the season. So even though they dropped games against the Pistons and the Hornets and I forget who who else they the King no, they beat the Kings. They dropped another one in a row on that East Coast road trip that was really embarrassing. But Steph's just been amazing and he's the reason that they've won four games I guess and that's why I got to put him here. He's just he's an absolutely incredible basketball player
1: still. Yeah, you really get no argument from me. We brought up the stat on group chat that the Golden State starting lineup is has a plus 26 net, net rating. It. That's killing I it. mean I mean come on. And when you watch the games it's just like when Steph's on the floor everything he is the son that the offense revolves around and you know No plants could grow. You can't get any water. You can't do nothing if Steph Curry does not exist. And so, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned everything. The the disappointing starts from both Clay and Jordan Poole. The young guys just being utterly clueless, specifically on the defensive end, has just contributed to a horrible start. But Steph Curry looks as good as he's ever looked, in my opinion. He's stronger than ever. The fact that this guy's shooting 93% from free throw line is just like, he's getting better at free throws? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, it's it's just, it's it's insane to me what, what he's doing up there. And, you know, he had his little shooting slump uh, second half of last year, and that's just Completely dissipated, man. Like this guy, again, 43% on 13 threes a game, it, it doesn't even make any sense but Before we
3: move on, he's shooting 79% at the rim. I didn't even know that before I just started looking at look, I was looking at his numbers and right now. And you know what that is,
1: right? It's complete panic about what he does from the outside, and people have to press him in a certain way where they just have to concede layups. Mm-hmm. It's just like that the two is less than three. That's the calculation the defense <laughs> is making right now. And so yeah, Steph Curry is playing at an all-time MVP level, so shouts to him.:
2: This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
1: Next person I wanted to get into, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but I picked the Nuggets to win the championship this year. I just think that that unit on offense is the most unstoppable unit in the league. I, I just don't think there's a defense out there that's equipped to deal with the, the the problems they present. And Jokic to start the season, I don't think he's at his best, but he's fucking, he's insane. And it's, you know, people, I know we, we buried the triple-double as a relevant stat, but in the case of Jokic, I think it is relevant. I mean, he doesn't dominate possessions. He's not like, dribble, dribble, dribble. Oh, like get out of my way. Give me the rebound. Oh, do this, do that. No, it's like, no, um, I attacked the matchups that seemed pertinent. Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, they were gone last year. I did my, you know, drop 30 on everybody routine for months at a time. And these guys are back. I'm literally trying to incorporate them back into this offense. And he's done that in the early season going. He's just, you know, he's at his normal efficiency across the board. And yeah, nine assists a game from the center position. He's just like nothing I've ever seen. And to me, I got to put him in the MVP discussion because he's so singular, so unstoppable. He's not even trying to score yet. (laughs) Okay. He literally is just like, yeah, 21 points per game where I'm just like, I don't even care about scoring at this moment. I got to give it to him. And I know the canary in the coal mine for the Nuggets is that defense. And Mm -hmm. it has not looked great to start the season. And there have been moments involving Jokic that haven't looked great, and I will cop to that. But I just think the guy's so special, so unique, and I love what he's doing.
3: Jokic to me is, again, I hope this isn't and shouldn't be a controversial statement. He's the best player in the world for me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You're preaching to the choir, everything (laughs) you're saying about him. His impact at all levels of offense is like something I've never seen before. You have to guard him. And this was this is a little bit when I talk about the like fingernail difference between Giannis and Jokic and why I I think Jokic is just a little bit better. Offensively, we're talking about someone who actively elevates everyone around him, no matter what's going on on the court, what the defensive coverage is. All the attention is on Jokic. And Jokic still manages to make a highlight pass for a layup just about every time down the court. He's got the three ball, and he's not even shooting threes this year. He's but everyone here. knows he's he not can shooting hit threes yet. But
1: his his jump shot is wet. Everybody knows that. <laughs>
3: yeah, he's the touch around the basket. The touch from six, seven, eight feet is every single time he lets it go. I expect it to go Same. in. You just watched last night against the Pacers. I don't know if you saw that game.
1: I was but watching.
3: I watched. He you know goes out with foul trouble. The team just like craters. <laughs> like goes down 18. He comes back obviously, guides them to to victory with some help obviously from KCP and Aaron Gordon, but like you just look at like when he's on the floor, they just they're, they're like a dominant championship contender and yep. I don't blame you at all for picking them to win the title. I think that I expected them to win over 60 games this year, and part of that was because I thought Jamal Murray would have been a little further along he's and he not- started to look he started to look a little bit better, but he started slow. I put way more of the defensive issues with Denver on Michael Porter Jr.'s shoulders as well, and we're sit- yeah. trying to see his ministry. stuff that
1: just doesn't happen behind the play that you're just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, we get it. Your guy doesn't have the ball right now, but you still have... Work to do. <laughs> like you still have to, you still have a job, bro. Like, there's certain shit that just goes on behind the play that just frustrating. But yeah, all that stuff you mentioned, I'm in complete and utter agreement. And just, you know, another person I wanted to bring up, I think Donovan Mitchell has played at an MVP type of level. He's playing as well as he can. I'm pleasantly surprised. I was really down on him after the Maverick stuff. Like, that shit just bummed me out watching him give that type of effort on defense. But he's upped it, and he deserves recognition for it. He's fitting seamlessly with what Cleveland needed. It helps that he so greatly filled the need. Like, the need was so glaring. So it's great that he filled that. But the person I want to talk about because this is your backyard, is Jason Tatum.
3: I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad, Was.
1: I think this dude has ascended. And I gotta give it up to Jason Tatum because people are familiar with my opinions about Jason Tatum in the past. I, I really were, I was annoyed by the anointing of this kid after one season. And everybody's just like, oh, the greatness, not legitimately wasn't seeing it. I thought there was a lot of tunnel vision, the over reliance on long twos. I was just like, bruh, like I'm not seeing it with this kid. And then slowly but surely, He turns himself into an All-NBA defender. I'm like, hmm, okay. This guy is is an insane perimeter defender. He uses his length. He uses his quickness. Has anticipation. Like, oh, wow, okay. He's going to board you up. Oh, okay. Then he starts showing me this playmaking stuff, which is sorely needed in Boston because they don't have some, you know, Chris Paul, Mike Conley type over there. And he's, he's showing off a little playmaking. And then... Man, I think it was the playoffs last year where I was just like, bro, he's almost a wing sort of Steph in that, like, if he gets a shot off, I feel like it's going to go in. And I thought, oh, man, his his shot making is just, you know, it's even beyond what people were slurping him for. And then this year, man, where he's having 20 free throw line games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, this is this is the type of cat that could win an MVP in this league. And so I did want to touch on him before we got out of here because I think he's at the fringe of this conversation very early on. I know it's very early, but, man, he's showing some stuff.
3: I think he's right now a top five player. I think mm. losing the finals was the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Mm. He's definitely made a leap. If you've watched his career, you pointed out a lot of the the stepping stones that he's taken over the past five seasons. But right now, even in the first 11 games, he's gone up another level in terms of reading defenses, getting off the ball quicker. He's not arguing with refs anymore on his drives. He's just like, I'm going to put the ball in the basket. And when he does argue, it's after he makes the shot and he wants the n one. It's not, I'm going to mope and then Mm my team's going to get beat in transition the other way. It's none of that. He's drawing the fouls too. He's just so strong, so aggressive. Uh, so decisive in his decision-making. It's just been super impressive. And I don't know if you were to, I I have a question for you. If you were to pick a a flaw right now in Jason Tatum's game, what would it be? I don't, I'm not saying he's perfect, but I'm saying it's very difficult right now for me to say, oh, he can't do that.
1: The only thing I would say, and luckily for him, he's not asked to do it. I don't think you could ask him to do the, the extreme usage stuff From some of these heliocentric guys. I don't think the playmaking is at the level where that would actually be efficient and that you could spam it. But that's not a real criticism. (laughs) Like, he plays on a team that is freaking, you know, pretty talented and damn near complete top to bottom. And so he's not asked to do that. In his role as like, you're our team's best scorer and defenses are going to shift and shade and produce themselves in ways that are designed to stop you Mm -hmm. from being that best scorer, you just have to attack that in those subtle ways. And he's doing it, man. It's obvious what he's doing. And I like that you said some of the stuff is more subtle. We talked about on group chat, Rudy complaining about, yo, you know, this team needs to do more of the stuff that doesn't get you high fives from your family members after the game. Getting off the ball quicker is one of those things. You know, like, nobody at the barbershop or who's in your phone's going to be like, yo, I like the way you're being a ball mover more. <laughs> Nobody's going to text you about that, you know? So, like, for young guys, it's hard for them to get in their heads that this is actually the things that make them greater. And so Tatum, at the ripe old age of 24, getting to that, I'm happy because... Mike, I'm not gonna lie, man. I used to make jokes about like people in the media, people in Boston calling this guy the second coming. I used to call him, my nickname for him was John the Baptist. <laughs> I was like, hey, you're not quite Jesus, brother. You are John the Baptist. But yo, man, he is, he's looked the part this year.
3: He's like cutting to pass. Like it's, it's like really high level stuff from yeah. him. And, He's a screener too. Like mm. when Marcus Smart has the ball and they run that little two-man action, it's unstoppable. Like you yeah. can't. We talked a little bit earlier about the switching with Wood and Luca. It's very similar with Marcus and and Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. And whether Tatum has the ball or whether he's screening, there's just so much offensive and defensive versatility with him. He has 15 blocks already this season. It's just like what is even happening. Like they can play small because of his size and have him be at the four or the five with Grant Williams and not lose a step on defense. He's just he's just like an amazing player. I can't really say enough about all around how impactful he has been for the Celtics this season and his pull-up threes aren't even falling yet. So Mm -hmm. he's averaging 31 a night and the threes aren't even dropping. The catch and shoots are because that's how Boston's playing. Their offense is best in the league and a lot of it is just drive and kick spot-up threes. But when they need Tatum to hit those pull-up threes and he starts doing it late in games then it's just it's kind of curtains there I think
1: yeah so i i don't i don't i didn't have any other people i wanted to discuss but i know you wanted to talk about one lebron james which which we can <laughs> we can do the the lebron segment now and i think a lot of people have questions about what level of player is lebron these days it's funny to me cuz i think Ironically, the thing that made LeBron LeBron and Singular is the idea that like a baseline level of excellence for 75 games, (laughs) like just machine metronome, like a baseline level of excellence, 75 games a year for 10 years, which is just in like basically MVP level, 75 games a year for 10 years. Craziness, right? Best, it's the
3: best career of all time. I am like, it's not even up for debate.
1: It's insanity. He's just not that. I think LeBron can get to the greatness level, you know, at the fringes of MVP discussions in individual games. I don't think he has it in him to produce that consistently. And, you know, again, the thing that defined LeBron in places like Cleveland was his ability to put anything on his back, like lineups that it was Andy Varajao and Ben Wallace spacing for you. Put that on his back for efficient enough offense and elite defense. You know, he's just the all world defense is completely gone and he just can't impose his will on a night to night basis the way he used to. And so. I mean, I think if if LeBron was ugh, surrounded by enough talent that you can get him to the playoffs and in a short series where it's like I get two to three days rest and all of that shit or a day in between every single game and I get to dissect your game plan and I know exactly and I get to, you know, ground this thing to a halt to 80 possessions in a game. Shit, man. I will put LeBron with anybody in that setting. But over the course of the regular season, it's over for that, man. He's He's 40.
3: <laughs> he's, not, he's not 40, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote about this earlier in the week. All the names that we just mentioned in this whole pod, if you traded that player for LeBron, those teams would be worse. Yeah. That's just a fact. It's just p- so pure facts. I don't know where you would rank him. You can name a few other players, honestly, in the league right now who I think are more impactful on a night-to-night basis. I'll say, I'll start just saying positively, like, he's still the smartest player yeah. alive, and sometimes when he makes the wrong decision, it's to send a message, or I should say almost all the time when he <laughs> sends. When he, like, I have this clip in my article where he's posting up Austin Rivers, I believe it is, and Patrick Beverly kind of scoots around on the perimeter, wide open, completely uncovered, uh, would have been a wide open corner three, strong side, you rarely see that. LeBron just stares at him and then shoots a turnaround over Rivers that doesn't go in and did not pass the ball. And it's just like,
1: why are you bringing (laughs) uh, defenders here?
3: (laughs) So it's just like the post-ups, the efficiency is atrocious right now. Not driving as much as he used to. Career low in drives per game, per 100 possessions. The free throw line, which he addressed after the loss against the Clippers, on Wednesday night, where he's like, I need to flop more career low, free throw rate, career low, free throw attempts. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he needs to flop. I, I think he's at an age where like the first step isn't there, honestly. Yeah. It isn't what it used to be. And so you can uh point it a supporting cast for sure. It is a very bad one, one of the worst in the league, I would say. But watching him physically not being able to kind of dictate things as much as he used to is, is jarring and noticeable and yeah, all the players we said, Giannis, Luca, Steph, Tatum, Jokic, I'll throw in John ja Morant. Like, there's a few other names out there as well who I'm just like, these players are just better than yep. LeBron right now. So that's kind of where he is, and he's still amazing, and he's still unprecedented, and the fact yeah. that he's still even on yeah. the outer rim of a conversation like yeah. this at his yeah. age is like... Incredible. He's, but- he's still
1: a very effective player. And, you know, I, I watch him do stuff every now and again where I'm like, this is really cool. But at the same time, I'm watching a guy on a team that's severely limited. And because I've watched LeBron's – my 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 chart to, like, NBA dorkdom and, like, what, like getting a league pass is, like, 2010, which is, like, the squarely st- in the LeBron ascent to, like, just unquestionably way better than everybody – Trust me y'all, LeBron from 2009 to 2010 with Anthony Davis would make this team 50 wins. <laughs> I swear to God, they would win 50 games with that dude cuz he'd be so inevitable on offense and defense that it just they would just carry these cats. It'd be crazy the amount of attention a LeBron drive would have to get and, you know, the way like his transition Man, remember the highlight packages we used to watch of LeBron just closing out on shooters? <laughs> like, he was the best closeout player. Like, closing out the shooters where he would, you know, he'd get to the nail. And the amount of time he'd take to recover to 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 the, the ball handler, passing it out to the corner or to some shooter, was insane the amount of space he covered. Trust me. That dude, 12 years ago, this team is winning 50 games no matter what. There's nothing anybody can do about it. It's just not the case. Like, it's normal. It is what it is. I enjoy what he is now. But, yeah, you can't put him in the conversation with the big dogs. No.
3: And it's kind of a shame he never won Defensive Player of the Year. I just want to note that as you bring up the ridiculousness of his defense. But it is not even close to to what it was. Not even in the same stratosphere.
1: Bro, I'll never forget 2011. The year that they embarrassed themselves against the Mavericks, that D. Rose series, where it's just like, yo, in crunch time, just leave me on an island with the MVP and it's over. He's not doing diddly squat against me. <laughs> I, like nobody could stay in front of Derrick Rose back then. And even some of the like the jitterbug guys that could, they weren't strong enough to deal with how strong this dude was. Game after game in that series, man. Crunch time. LeBron was like, "I got this dude by myself. Don't send help." <laughs> like, it, it's it's crazy. Okay, like, and 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 you know, and I hate to get on my LeBron soapbox, but I will. It's just like people just don't have an appreciation for how great his his peak was. They just don't. They they, they just can't fathom how insanely good this guy was. Great as those Heat team were, man, bruh. They were bringing up the rear with some of these people outside of Wade and Bosh. And D. Wade, after 2013, was just not an all-star player. He was a nice starting two guard, you know? And then you just had LeBron, who was just basically the best player not named Michael Jordan ever, you know? And so, yeah, man, he ain't that. He ain't that no more. It's over for that.
3: LeBron is great. I agree with what Richard Jefferson said on television last night. Signing the extension with the Lakers the worst decision of his entire career. I, just, <laughs> I agree.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man, that's so funny. Anyway, man, that's our way too early MVP chatter. Mike, man, tell the people to find you, man. Hook up with your work.
3: I mean, everything's on The Ringer. TheRinger.com. Right. Check it out. Writing there a couple times a week. Usually. And, I mean, you know... I'm not even going to plug Twitter because I don't know if Twitter is going to exist by the time this episode (laughs) publishes, but shout out to TheRinger.com. Shout out to you, Big Waz.
1: Yes, sir. We'll see you guys next week. Make sure you're checking out all the other Ringer NBA offerings, real ones, and everything else we got on the feed. We'll see you guys next week. Of course, we're out of here. Peace.